Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So in my last podcast, I talked to you about the simple math of the 2016 election. And I made some statements that I'm sure were rather radical to a great many people. In fact, given the feedback that I've received, I can tell that it, it rankled some people. I made the case, which is absolutely statistically true, that the Democrat Party is larger than the Republican Party. Our society has shifted somewhat leftward politically. And so for a Republican to win, he or she cannot simply capture the Republican base. They also have to be able to reach some uh, to the moderates, to what we used to call Reagan Democrats, to the independents, they call them now. It simply is the case that if a candidate, uh, let's say a Republican candidate, wins every single conservative and Republican, every single person who is uh, registered or self-identified as a conservative or a Republican, they cannot win the presidency on that basis alone unless there's a huge stay-at-home factor on the other side or perhaps there's a third-party candidate who leans to the left. That's the only way it can happen. Now, these are statistical realities. And what I'm not urging is that people who are conservatives, people on the right, should somehow compromise their values, somehow simply move to the center, whether they believe it or not. But, but, but I do want to say that it is nearer the center where things get done in this country. This is something we seem to have forgotten, and I'm, my point here is not just to lecture you as you listen to this podcast, but it's to help you think about American politics a little bit. Uh, we had brilliant things come from our federal government when Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan were playing pinochle and drinking whiskey at the end of the day, having beaten the tar out of each other all day. They did contend. They did fight on the floor. They did battle for legislation, but they kept it relatively friendly. And most of what they concluded was somewhere right of center. It was not hard right. It was not extreme right, nor was it extreme left. And why did that work? Well, because that's where the common sense legislation is. And by the way, that's where the majority of the country is. In our recent years, we've had a radicalization of politics. A lot of this has to do with cable news shows. A lot of this has to do with the scream fests that we have on radio and political talk shows. But the reality is that it's moved people hard left and hard right. So it's almost impossible to have a conversation where most of the solutions are, most of the American people are, and I think most of the wisdom is, and that is somewhat more towards the center. Now, let me quickly say, I'm a conservative. I'm a registered Republican. I hold very firm values that are represented by, by the Republican Party. And yet I am only, I would say, I'm somewhat right of center, but not extreme right. I do believe that government has a role in uh, tending the poor. I do believe that, uh, well, a whole list of things that would be definitely on the right side of the spectrum, but not extreme right. Here's what I want you to know, and this is why I decided to do a part two of this conversation. 
The reality is that most of the people that you see talking to you about politics on TV, most of the talk show hosts, most of the candidates, uh, most of the party representatives, I find that most of them secretly are closer to the center than they actually want to represent publicly. I cannot tell you how many times I have been sitting with a group of people, perhaps after a Hannity show, people who've just been on the Hannity show with me, or uh, sitting with a group of politicians, and they will say, what I really believe is such and such, and they'll identify a position that is just slightly right of center. But I could never say that. I could ne- the base would never wear it. The party leaders would never wear it. The conservatives would eat me alive. You see, the reality is that most people who have any experience know that the extreme left and the extreme right does not have any oxygen. It doesn't have any moving space. You can't live there. Those are shouting positions. They're not places where you can actually get things done. If I was going to start a political party, I would probably call it the American Common Sense Party. I would probably try to style it somewhat around what you feel when you watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, uh, what you feel when you watch some of these other movies where someone of just good old common Henry Ford, I didn't mean to say Henry Ford, Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart in the movies now, uh, kind of figures, you know, just speak for the American people and speak of common sense and justice and wisdom and fairness. I don't mean to preach, but my point is that our politics are deadlocked. And the result is, for those of us who are conservative, that very little is going to move until our leaders realize, especially in the Republican Party, that they have to be able to capture the independents, who are a growing number of people. As you know, most millennials, many millennials do not want to identify, for example, uh, with certain religious denominations, certain mainline religious uh, organizations. And in the same way, they don't want to identify uh, with either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And so they're registering themselves as independents. They're a growing group in our politics, and they're going to have to be won by whoever takes the presidency if that, if that candidate is a conservative. So I returned to my thesis last week, what candidate on the right can actually capture independence and actually uh, capture uh, people who are not affiliated, uh, people who are not in one party or the other, the Reagan Democrats, who can capture them? And I want to suggest that while uh, voicing extreme left and right positions will will capture attention, generate excitement, get press attention, which is maybe what you want to do in the early primary season, it's not going to put somebody in the White House. The math is very clear. In fact, uh, for those of you who watch these trends, uh, Mitt Romney was a classic example of the problem that Republicans have now. As I said last week, Mitt Romney won the full measure of Republicans for the most part, and he won uh, the full measure of people who identified as conservatives, and he still didn't win. Why? Because the Democratic Party is bigger than the Republican Party because there's been a leftward shift and because many of the independents, many of the old Reagan, old Reagan independents um, ha- are, have moved leftward, especially on some of the pronounced social issues of our time. So the, the statistics, the facts 
are changing for Republicans. What we need are statesmen. What we need are people who have clear, firm values, but who know how to articulate them in terms of American common sense, American wisdom, in terms of fair play and justice. And the kind of discussions that we've had of late just make us look like fools. The the, the discussion recently about whether we ought to allow Muslims into our country as though we have no Muslims in Congress, no Muslims in the military, and no Muslims in our neighborhood just made Republicans look like they'd landed from Mars. We need statesmen. We need people who are broad-minded. I don't mean broader than, than clear, conservative, and in my case, I would even say Christian values, but we do need people who are broad-minded, can think with those who disagree with them, can articulate their values without using coded language, who can win others to the cause. And this is the challenge before you if you're from the Republican side. Who can do that? The crisis that we're in right now is that Donald Trump cannot Perhaps, perhaps Cruz cannot, maybe Rubio can, but I want to suggest that there is a serious crisis looming for Republicans, and it has to do with a combination of simple math and the fact that what we need is a Reagan-esque, Churchillian kind of leadership that is not represented right now on either side of the political aisle in America. I want to say very quickly as I end this podcast that next week, the first week of February, my new book called Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates releases. I'll be in much of the major media. I already know that we're releasing on uh, the Hannity Show on Wednesday night of the first week of February. I'll be on many, many other programs. You can keep track of the programs I'm going to be on and some of the behind the scenes information by following me at, at Mansfield Rights on Twitter. At Mansfield Rights, W R I T E S, there at the end. Follow me on Twitter. We'll keep you up on what's going on, show you photographs, tell you what the tour is all about, talk about the debates, and we will have a grand time jumping in to this 2016 presidential campaign. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.